Now, let's see. Okay, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here along with Dan from Georgia. We had technical difficulties on both ends this morning, and uh, the the, the settings for my computer were changed by Windows. I'm hoping you're all hearing us now. And uh, let me check in the chat room to see if uh, people are, in fact, hearing us and uh, to get uh, feedback Okay, so Mary says, uh, um, not hearing Dan either. How about, how about okay. now? Can anyone hear me now? All right, okay. Brother Aber or Mary, if you want to you know, uh, give us a, a little feedback real quick in the chat room. And uh, whether you should be hearing Dan oh, now. Yeah. Yes. Hello, okay. hello, testing. Yeah, yeah Dan Can anyone coming. hear me? Dan's coming through loud and clear. Brother Abraham says, okay now. All right, so we're, yeah, thank you very much. And we're going into Exodus chapter 14, the, uh, the episode where the Israelites crossed over to, uh, across the Sea of Reeds, not the Red Sea, and uh, to the other side of uh, would be, today is Saudi Arabia. Okay, so pick it up. Uh, just, we'll start all over again, Dan. Okay, and then I'll, okay. all, right, all right, back to you. Okay, the title of this article is Where Did the Miracle of the Parting of the Red Sea Take Place? And as Eli pointed out, it is a Jewish written article. So keep that in mind as as we read through it, as I read through it. On the seventh of Pesach, we celebrate the miracle of the crossing of the Red Sea. The most appropriate place to pray the Sharat Hayam, Song of the Sea, is where the miracle for our ancestors took place. Biblical scholars have raised different hypotheses where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Dr. Joshua Moran researched all the theories and came to the conclusion that a miracle happened to our ancestors at Nueva Beach in Sinai, about 60 kilometers south of Elat. The northern area of the Red Sea is the Gulf of Elat. The slopes of the Sinai Desert Mountains towards the Gulf of Elat are very steep. Anyone who has ever flown to Sharm el-Sheikh along the Sinai coastline saw from the plane windows that there is no suitable place for a camp of two to three million people. Only on the shores of Nueva, there is a large and wide enough flat area. It is written in the Torah and encamped before Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea before Baal-Zephon, Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Rashi interprets, they are two high and upright rocks, and the valley between them is called the Pi-Haharoth. Pharaoh said, the wilderness has shut them in. On both sides were steep mountains. In front of them, the sea, and behind them, Pharaoh and his soldiers approached. Okay, so uh, as I said, uh, that probably, people probably heard me when I talked about this. That nobody ever suspected Nueva Beach as being the crossing point until uh, Ron Wyatt discovered it. Okay. The consensus among scholars was that it was up toward Suez where they crossed and not down further down south where, in fact, uh, the all kinds of research now prove that Mount Sinai was down in this area, not up north, as many scholars have believed up to this point. So Ron Wyatt's discovery of Nueva Beach and the real Mount Sinai and the tracking of the footprints of the children of Israel on, uh, in Saudi Arabia is absolute proof that uh, all these events took place further south 
than the vast majority of scholars. In fact, this this crossing was not, not even suspected by anybody until Ron Wyatt discovered it. And also, I don't know if this article gets into it, there's two stela, one on each side of the crossing point, erected by Joseph, commemorating the crossing of the Israelites, okay? the One of them is perfectly intact, and I think the other one was uh, knocked over, but uh, they're both still there, and the, the one that was knocked over was erected. So we have those two stela by, erected by none other than Joseph, who we've been talking about extensively on, uh, you know, in this uh, chapter of Exodus, that this is indeed where the uh, you know, crossing took place. And during the first Gulf War, there was a, uh, a jet that flew over this area doing heat-sensitive uh, uh, readings and found that there was uh, an area, uh, a path from, from Goshen to Nueva Beach that stayed hot into the night and re- radiated heat because it picked up more heat than the surrounding sand. And this path was caused by the blood, sweat, and tears of the Israelites as they marched from Goshen to Nueva Beach. And that concrete, that concrete-like substance still exists even today. Proof, historical proof, folks, that these are the, the, the Exodus story is absolutely 100% historical. Back to you, Dan. Another sign is that on the other side of the Gulf of Elat, <clears throat> beyond the shores of Saudi Arabia, is Jebel al-Laws, considered to be the Mount Sinai on which the Torah was given. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is therefore likely that the sea was crossed in this place. The average depth of the Gulf of Elat is 900 meters, or 3,000 feet, below sea level. And there are places where the depth exceeds 1,850 meters, or 6,000 feet. In the depths of the Red Sea, only in front of Nueva, there is a high bottom like a mountain which peaks at a depth of only 33 meters, or 110 feet, below sea level. It is 18 kilometers, 11 miles long, and about 600 meters, or 2,000 feet wide. It is underwater along the mainland of Nueva to the shores of Saudi Arabia, like an underwater bridge. The Torah says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, And Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all the night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Researchers state that the strong east wind is the result of a volcanic eruption in the Indian Ocean, which caused very high tsunami waves. When the water rises in one place, it falls down in other places. Like when you get into a bathtub, okay? You can can watch the water sloshing back and forth. In this case, the water of the tsunami waves from distant places like the coasts of East Africa and the Red Sea, where the water level drops significantly. When the water level in the periphery of the tsunami drops by 34 meters or more, the bottom of the sea is exposed only in this bridge. This explains the verse, and the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. Now, it could have been much shallower in those days than it is today. We have no idea of uh, you know, how the tectonic plates in that area have gone up and down in the last 2,500 years, right? <laughs> okay. No, wait, 3,500 3, years we're talking about here. All right. So all kinds of uh, you know geological changes could have taken place, and it may, it may have been much shallower in those days. Back to you. Waves are known to behave in a sinusoidal form of highs and lows. The recession ended after the Israelites reached the opposite bank. 
and the water began to return to its normal state. <clears throat> At this point, Egyptian army soldiers were captured there, and the water washed them and their chariots. As it is written, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even all the host of Pharaoh that went in after them into the sea. There are little faith people who say, according to this, the parting of the Red Sea was a natural phenomenon and not a divine miracle. Well, it could be both, right? Could could, could it be both? Okay, back to you. They do not understand that it is unnatural that the Israelites got exactly in this point of all locations in the world and entered the water just when a tsunami occurs in the distance and that the Red Sea level dropped just below this underwater bridge and that the water returned exactly just after the Israelites got to the other bank. The great miracle that God performed for our ancestors was in the precise timing and unnatural combination of all these natural phenomena. In addition, there are heretical archaeologists who claim that biblical stories never really happened, but are only a literal work written in the 10th century by an anonymous writer. For decades, these scholars claim that the Exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea are just legends, mythologies. In our generation, archaeological discovered evidence that contradicts their position and prove our belief. It is written in the Torah, and the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And he took off their chariot wheels and made them to drive heavily. About 40 years ago, an American researcher, Ryan Morrow, discovered at the bottom of the sea the their chariot wheels. He and his crew dived with a metal detector near Nueva, and 2.5 kilometers from the shore, they found metal wheels covered by coral, as well as wheel axles and carriage cages. Okay, so Yahweh has preserved all of this archaeological evidence to prove that this is the crossing point. And uh, and he's he's not mentioning Ron Wyatt here, and I, I think it's very interesting. Ron Wyatt is a person who discovered all these things. Okay, and he actually dove down uh, with scuba equipment as well. But uh, this guy came later, Ryan Morrow came later and discovered even more. And uh, there's one interesting thing that only the Egyptians used the four spoke wheel for their chariots. Everybody else used six or more because it's stronger, right? It makes the perimeter of the wheels much stronger, the more spokes that you have. But the, uh, the Egyptians still were using the old form of four-spoke chariot. And those were found at Nueva Beach at the, at the crossing place as well. Back to you. Among them, they also discovered wheels made of gold, which coral do not stick to. Morrow brought one of the wheels to the director of antiquities in Egypt, who at first glance stated that they were from the 19th dynasty of the pharaohs. He said that this was the only period in Egyptian history in which they created wheels with eight spokes. In other generations, the ancient Egyptians used wheels with six spokes or four spokes. As is well known, King Pharaoh, who let our people go, was Ramses II of the 19th dynasty. After the miracle of the parting of the sea, the children of Israel sang the Sherat Hayam song of the sea with the verse, Horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Moro also found coral-covered bones at the bottom of the sea. <clears throat> he sent some of them for a histological examination at Stockholm University without specifying where they were found. 
The researchers in the lab determined that these were human bones and horse bones, all at the age of 3,300 years. There you go. Suitable for the time of the exodus from Egypt. Okay, even though this is a Jewish article designed to uh, prove that the Jews were uh, across the Red Sea. No, this is Israelite history, folks, not Jewish history. But the Jews will exploit you know, any finding to suggest, well, okay, this proves that we, the Jews, crossed the Red Sea with Moses. No, they didn't. They were never near, near the place. The Israelites did this. Back to you. About 20 years ago, researchers Ron Wyatt and Bill Fry came with more sophisticated metal detectors of the Excalibur 1000 type that can detect metals even at a depth of two meters inside the bottom of the sea. They found many more metal parts, including a carriage axis like those illustrated in tombs in ancient Egypt. This is what the axle with the wheels looked like when it was discovered. And this was after the coral was removed from it. And this is just showing a picture. Right. It's almost a pristine uh, axle with two golden wheels. As the article says, coral will not stick to gold. Some of their chariot wheels are still on display at the Wyatt Museum in Nashville, Tennessee. Israelis traveling in Nashville visit the Elvis Presley Museum and the Country (laughs) Music Museum. Elvis Presley first, Ron Wyatt next. (laughs) When we travel to Nashville, it is recommended to visit the Wyatt Museum as well. Archaeologists have also discovered two identical granite pillars on either side of of the Gulf of Elat. One is on Nueva Beach. Some of it was submerged in water, and the inscriptions on it were completely eroded. When the road from Elat to Sharm was paved in 1971, it was taken out of the water and placed on a concrete base that was poured at the side of the road. We should look for it when we travel to Nueva. An identical pillar was discovered in the Saudi bank with the words Pharaoh, Moses, water, Egypt, dead, Edom, Solomon, and G or God engraved no, on it. No, it was Yahweh. <laughs> That's what was yeah. engraved on it. Okay, back to you. In the 1980s, the Saudis removed this pillar and closed the area to tourists and research and diving expeditions. Dr. Yehoshua Moran writes that these pillars were erected by King Solomon. It is written in the Bible, Then Solomon went to Etzion, Gaver, and to Elot by the seashore of Edom, Chronicles chapter 8, verse 17. Apparently, then King Solomon went south from Elot another 65 kilometers to place these pillars. It is possible that about these pillars it is said in the Bible, In that day shall there be an altar to Yahweh in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar at the border thereof to Yahweh, and it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto Yahweh of hosts uh, in the land of Egypt. For they shall cry unto Yahweh because of the oppressors, and he will send them a savior and a defender who will deliver them. Isaiah chapter 19, verse 19. All right, yeah, so I misspoke. I believe I said Joseph erected these pillars. Uh, This article is correct. It's Solomon erected the pillars. Okay. These archaeological discoveries have enormous historical and religious value significance much more above and beyond their geographical location. They prove that Moses is true and his Torah is true. Our argument with the infidels is over. In light of this, the most appropriate place to sing the Song of the Sea is at Nueva Beach, where the miracle took place. 
This year, the border between Israel and Egypt is closed due to the COVID epidemic. But on the Chol Ha Moed of Passover holiday in the coming years, it is recommended to travel to Nueva with the Bible in our hand to open the book of Exodus chapters 14 and 15 and to see with our own eyes that it is written in the Torah. The mountains and the sea in front of our eyes will interpret the Bible to us more than Rashi. Okay, uh, we we should uh, do uh, we should organize a tour, <laughs> right, of the true Israelites. Yeah. Okay, on the correct Passover day, not the Jewish Passover day. Okay, it only costs about fifteen thousand dollars per person, <laughs> 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 right? And uh, probably we'd have to travel to Saudi Arabia because the Jews would never allow us to do such a thing, right? And we'd have to do that on the sly. So anyway. Uh, but this proves that the crossing of the Red Sea was absolutely 100% historical, folks. And now we can proceed to uh, Exodus chapter 14. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 14. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Piharoth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am Yahweh. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with an high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea beside Pilharoth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto Yahweh. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. <clears throat> this is interesting. I said there were no graves in Egypt. Well, the Goshen was a very, uh, how should I put it? It was part of the Delta. Okay. So the water table there was probably pretty shallow, like Auschwitz, <laughs> which is only two feet, which means there's no way you could bury people at Auschwitz or at Goshen, right? So, so what did the, you know, what did the Israelites do? Well, since the they were uh, captive to the Egyptians, probably the Egyptians just threw their bodies into the water and let them float into the into the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Unless they, uh, I don't know what the Egyptians did with their bodies. It's an interesting question. All right, back to you. Verse 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of Yahweh, 
which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Amen. (laughs) Just like the Edomites and the Judgment Day, we will see them again no more forever. Won't that be a good day? Mm -hmm. Yahweh shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. A, and divine, the of- a divine cattle prod. <laughs> All right. Move it. Yeah. Move it out. Move it. And the children of Israel shall go on the dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night. Mm-hmm. And Moses so, he put a, so this pillar, uh, I never noticed this before, that so that the pillar of clouds or fire, when it went behind the Israelites, <clears> stood <throat> in the way in the path of the Egyptians and kept them separated so that the Egyptians could not attack the Israelites at this point. Back to you. So it... it Almost in a sense, blinded them. Is what you're saying? Well, uh, well, uh, well, I think they were probably just afraid. <laughs> they were just, you know, yeah. see, it's probably a, a, a spiral, uh, uh, you know, column of fire that uh, anybody looking at it would say, "Ooh, I don't want to go in there." You know, it's just like on right. Star Trek. On Star Trek, <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't want to dis- disappear into that. Okay, back to you. All right, verse twenty-one. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning when Yahweh looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for Yahweh fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And Yahweh said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and Yahweh overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned. Did you want to say something? Yeah, uh, uh, verse 29, uh, where it says, And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. The word here is coma, and it, the definition here is uh, feminine active participle of an unused root, apparently meaning to join a wall of protection, 
wall, wall. So this can be taken literally or figuratively. Obviously, the Ten Commandments movie uh, takes it very, very literally and pictures two tall walls of water on either side of the Israelites. But uh, it means more uh, a wall of protection. Okay, back to you. All right, verse 28. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. And all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus Yahweh saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which Yahweh did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared Yahweh and believed Yahweh and his servant Moses. Okay, so we can see, you know, given the land bridge, the underwater land bridge that was exposed by the east wind and the possible tsunami effect uh, talked about in the article, the Israelites would have had time to cross over this land bridge and get to the other side and actually see the Egyptian uh, chariots being washed over when that uh, protection was removed. Back to you. Chapter 15. Chapter 15, Exodus, verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto Yahweh, and spake, saying, I will sing unto Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. Yahweh is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahweh is a man of war. Yahweh is his name. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts has he cast into the sea. Oh, by his the way, chose- uh, salvation is the Hebrew word Yahshua. Okay, which is the name of our Savior, Yahshua. Yep. Okay. Yep. okay. <clears throat> Verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts has he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Yahweh, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Yahweh, has dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. Okay, that's predicted for the Edomites at the last day. (laughs) It is. Yeah, Joseph and Judah shall be aflame, and Edom shall be as stubble. Get ready, folks. It's going to happen soon. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretched out the right, thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestine, Palestinia. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, the mighty men of Moab. Trembling shall take hold upon them, Hmm. and all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. 
By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone till that people pass over, O Yahweh, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Yahweh, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. Yahweh shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and Yahweh brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel. Okay. The women went out with, after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to Yahweh, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has he thrown into the sea. So That's Moses a, brought... Yeah, a timbrel is a tambourine. Okay. okay. Yeah. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, <laughs> What shall we drink? And he cried unto Yahweh, and Yahweh showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he had made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of Yahweh thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh that healeth thee. Okay, there's another promise. Deuteronomy 28 repeats this promise that if we obey his laws, no diseases can touch us. Okay, We must not be obeying yeah. too many of them. Because we got well, that's right. That's right. It doesn't mean we won't ever get sick, but we have right. uh, Yahweh uh, gives us the herbs and cures all around us if we, instead of big pharma, <laughs> if we... Vaccines. Right, yeah. there you go. Oh, man. Mark of the beast, folks. We've got to yeah. stay away from that. By the way, uh, all the reports uh, uh, from various sources around the world are telling us that the only people in hospitals right now are those who've gotten the jab. Okay? They're not treating. Nobody else is going to hospitals because they're afraid to get, uh, will get jabbed, right? So the hospitals, the uh, nurses are reporting around the world that only the jabbed people are, are patients now in these hospitals. Back to you. Wow. Verse 27, and they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. End of chapter 15. Okay, again, as we tried to prove at the beginning of today's shows, all of this is historical information, 100% true. All the doubters uh, need to do their research, okay, because all of these events happen and the archaeological evidence proves it. All right, chapter 16. Uh, one other thing about the, have you heard anything else new about these vaccines, about the COVID vaccine or? Uh, well, um, uh, I've been doing shows about phase two, which uh, you know, Brother Aber actually sent me the original information about the, uh, they're going to lock down the economy because the, the, the plan has always been, and we've been reporting this for years, folks, that they want to go to a cashless, i.e. digital currency. Okay, 
Yeah, yeah. The hospitals are full of jab people. I believe Mary's in Britain, and uh, yeah, the the hospitals are full of jab people, and uh, they, because they have taken the mark of the beast. Okay, I don't know if there's any hope for them. Uh, you know, I did a show on Restoration Hour a couple weeks ago about uh, pine needle tea that supposedly blocks the ability of the gates jab to affect your DNA. Okay, it blocks the receptors that the mRNA vaccine is supposed to target. So that's the only uh, hint of a possible uh, solution, pine needle tea. And uh, you can look that up online and and make if you're near a pine tree. (laughs) Uh, I've been drinking uh, some lately. I have experienced no ill effects. Okay, Uh, but ever since I had uh, whatever disease it was back in January and February, it was not a flu because I did have no, I had no respiratory symptoms at all, but I had tremendous fatigue and uh, achy body all over, and a horrible sense of taste and smell. That, those were my only symptoms, and uh, so whatever that was is definitely a manufactured disease because I never experienced anything like it before. Okay, so anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, this is. Uh, I'm hoping if there's any. Any relief for people who've gotten a jab, the only solution I've found is pine needle tea, okay? Whether that's going to make it right in the eyes of Yahweh is <laughs> another question, all right? Okay, back to now, you. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, this pine needle tea, can it be uh, – is it something we can purchase online or what? Yeah, what, what? yeah. It is, uh, but I have a pine tree right outside my house. I just snip the branches off and uh, make tea out of that. You know, it does taste like turpentine, folks, <laughs> right? Okay. But turpentine is like the, the, the pole man's penicillin. It's been used by poor people throughout history to kill parasites, okay? And, uh, and it, it will clean you out, okay? It's also got to be antibacterial, too. So, and I would suggest if you have any symptoms like this, uh, colloidal silver. Colloidal, yeah, and Brother Abraham says, maybe the jab is the unpardonable sin. Yeah, certainly one of them. Okay, so. I have uh, a, I, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, no. I was just going to say, I have, a, I have a theory on this. I don't, you may, and I'm sure many people may disagree with this, but I don't think this is the. The mark of the beast, this vaccine, I, I don't think it's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying you should go out and get it, but I think there's still too many people against it. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people that who don't want to get this. And I sure. think the mark of the beast is going to, it's not going to be forced on us. I think it's going to be something that, that, oh. you know, will be willingly accepting. Yeah. Oh, and, and it is, <laughs> you know, this is be willing, you know, the vast yeah. majority of people who are getting sick are willingly taking it. That's yeah. true. So, yeah, and in fact, uh, Pastor Ramsey had uh, talked about this. Uh, well, what about people who refuse to take it and they get jabbed against their will? Mm-hmm. Will they be judged? You know, right. I, I, I don't think so, you know, because if if they hold you down and, and uh, you know, four strong-armed men hold you down and then you get the jab, you know, it's not like you're taking it willingly. So, right. I mean, you're doing yeah. your part in resisting, but there's only so much you can do. That's if, right. If it's forced upon you. So that's right. Yeah. So you know, maybe you know, for those who are unwillingly jabbed, you know, maybe there is, uh, you know, uh, you know, repentance for them. You know, but uh, you know, on the other hand, 
Well, what do you do? You'll say you're an employee of a Big Pharma at a hospital, right? And then they tell you, well, if you want to keep your job, you have to take the jab. That's a pretty tough decision to quit your job. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, how, do you, how do you just willingly give up your, your job and your source of income? Yeah. You know? Well, I'd say you're going to have to. You, yeah. You know, yeah. If you if you understand the book of Revelation, it says those who take the mark of the beast, and you know it is the gates jab. The the, um, the patent he took out on it is patent number oh six oh six oh six. Like like he's mocking scripture by choosing that n- number. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in that uh, description, it says this substance will alter your DNA and will uh, make you a walking debit card. You will not be able to buy or sell. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, uh, give, it, give it up, yeah, Brother Abraham says. Okay, yeah, it's either the, the jab or the job. One mm-hmm. or the other. Okay, you got to make a choice. Okay, Yahweh will provide. If you quit your job and not, don't take the jab, Yahweh will provide. You have to have faith. Back to you. Okay, I guess we can, uh, where are we at? Chapter 16. <clears throat> and they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we have died by the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full? For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill us, to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said Yahweh unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now, this is interesting. <clears throat> are not the Judeo-Christians, most of whom are uh, unwitting Israelites, okay, they don't, they're Israelites, but they don't know it, are they not murmuring against Yahweh and his laws today? They are. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So history is repeating itself. The vast majority of, Christ, of Israelites who uh, believe the Jews are Israel are murmuring against Yahweh's law. It's called uh, dispensationalism and antinomianism, etc., etc. They don't. Uh, they don't believe that uh, homosexuals will be punished for their homosexuality. I can assure you, they will be, folks. Paul says that in Romans chapter 1. <laughs> men, men who lie with men and women who lie with women deserve death. It's that exactly. is a huge sin. Huge. Yeah, right. You know, it spreads disease mm-hmm. you know, you know, like uh, probably no other a- activity. Okay. So anyway, yeah, it's thoroughly condemned. Absolutely thoroughly condemned. And uh, I, I saw a video of John MacArthur. I don't know if, if it, people are familiar with John MacArthur. He's a he's a big shot preacher uh, and, and patriot, right? And so I saw him giving an address. He was introduced as you know a great pastor of Christianity, and he started reading from Romans chapter one, listing the sins that Paul goes through. And then when he got to the verses about homosexuality, he froze, and as the the, the expression on his face changed. 
and he, and he stopped reading. <laughs> oh, no, I can't wow. read this. The IRS will cut off my tax-exempt status, right? Because you can't preach mm-hmm. against homosexuality in the Judeo churches. Back to you. Verse 5, and it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, <clears throat> and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then you shall know that Yahweh has brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then you shall see the glory of Yahweh, for he has heard your murmurings against Yahweh. And what are we that ye murmur against us? <clears throat> And Moses said, This shall be when Yahweh shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that Yahweh hears your murmurings which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against Yahweh. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before Yahweh, for he has heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and, behold, the glory of Yahweh appeared in the cloud. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am Yahweh your God. Okay, uh, this is very interesting because many of us will be in a situation where uh, they simply run out of food. Okay, but if you are a practicing Israelite, you're, you're obeying Yahweh's laws, and you know most of us are also preppers. Okay, uh, I do have a store of uh, you know freeze dried food. <laughs> right, should it come to that? Right, guaranteed the last twenty years in the container. But you can also just have dried beans, dried rice. Uh, actually sugar, you keep it in uh, airtight containers. Don't let any moisture get into those containers, otherwise it will start to rot and uh, get the mildew, okay? But uh, th- this type of food will last a really long time, even the non-freeze-dried stuff. So you want to stock up on that. And as I've been telling people on Eurofolk Radio and TalkShoe, uh, canned tuna. <laughs> get stock up on canned tuna. And wheelbarrows, because you're going to need a million bucks to buy a, a can of canned tuna, right? Because the inflation is going out of sight, folks. It's going out of sight. And so they're going to drive this inflation as far as they can take it until they have to switch to the, you know, the, the uh, electronic currency, all right? But nevertheless, if you have cash in your pocket and you, you're in need of something, I, I can't see any local merchant refusing you, okay? Uh, but if you go to a, a, a big farmer or I should say a, a globalist type of company like Walmart, they'll say, no, we, we can't take your cash. We can only take your credit card. Oh, by the way, have you got the jab? Maybe we can just just scan your wrist, right? <laughs> and yeah. we can read your credit card that way, right? Or debit card. Back to you. I wonder if there will be some people who will offer, like, uh, for payment, of course, a, a certificate saying that you got the jab. You know, there, Yeah, there's a huge market of forged jab, jab certificates already. Mm-hmm. 
Okay? So that's happening already. Every time the government clamps down on the people, the people always find a way around the, the, the tyranny. Okay? It's called the black market, folks. The black market is reeking with forged jab certificates. Now, whether you know, you're confronted at a store uh, about this, okay? Well, actually, the, the HIPAA law goes into effect, okay? It's already been in effect. Uh, HIPPA, I believe it stands for Health Insurance Personal Protection Act, something like that, which states that no one has uh, the right or the uh, you know, legal right to ask you about your medical status. That's something that's uh, private between you and your doctor, Okay, just like your lawyer, nobody can ask you, well, what did you and your lawyer talk about in your private meeting? I'm sorry, man, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> okay, same, same thing applies to your health. So take advantage of it. You can print a you know, HIPAA document out, and I've been distributing those to Israelites you know, in this area, so that if they get confronted, they just whip out the, the HIPAA law and say, hey, it says you don't have any right to ask me about my medical condition. Mm-hmm. Whether I've been jabbed or not, okay. So the law is on our side, but the, the average person just doesn't realize it. Realize it. Back to you. We only have a couple minutes ah. left. Go ahead. Okay, I'll try to finish up here. Yeah. Uh, verse thirteen. And it came to pass that even at the quails, that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as small as the hoar frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it, is, what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which Yahweh has given you to eat. This is the thing which Yahweh has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. <clears throat> Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered, some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. <laughs> okay. Now, by the way, real quickly, uh, people have uh, analyzed, you know, what uh, has been presumed to be remnants of uh, this substance, you know, going way back into the old days, and they have concluded it's very similar to honey. Okay. And uh, honey, uh, but uh, it stayed a solid longer than honey does today. Back to you. I think we're about out of time here. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. What verse are we on? We are on verse 20. We'll pick 20. it up next week. At, yeah, let's uh, pick it up. Yeah, and then uh, we can, I can probably look up some research on you know, what this substance is. Again, all of this stuff is verified by science, folks. And uh, it's just you, you have to do the research to find these articles that pertain to all these miracles that happened. And of course, they are miracles. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Yahweh uses the natural world to perform his miracles. <laughs> all right? It just doesn't come out of the blue. All right. Okay. Thank you, Dan. And, Great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, t- praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. We'll see you all next week on Genesis to Revelation. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, everybody. Yahweh bless. Bye-bye. See you next week. Bye.